Blackwater, the Wagner Group, Executive Outcomes, the Flying Tigers, the Swiss Guard, the White Company, the Knights Templar, the Varangian Guard, Clercus of Sparta, Pythagoras the Spartan, Mentor of Rhodes, Socrates of Achaea. The list is endless. Mercenaries, Guns for Hire, Soldiers of Fortune, Private Military Companies, Private Security Contractors, Dirty Deeds, <laughs> Not So Dirt Cheap. History is replete with privatized militaries. Call them what you want. They have been around for a very long time, and they are very likely not going away anytime soon. So you better get used to it, grow up, and accept it, or move to another planet. Because these days, in this world, folks, money trumps everything. And like it or not, wars are good, very good, for business. Furthermore, history tells us that more people are enslaved and killed by such means as greed, corruption, oppression, and tyranny than by any other means. Money, profits, and propaganda. Call it psychological operations or call it psychological conditioning. You are being gaslit. So choose the red pill. Remove your blinders, all of them, and take a good sensory inventory of what you're being told and shown to believe. Because here we go. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. Talking from the relatively insulated and bucolic rural foothills of northwestern Washington State. I'm your host, Scott Dresser. So life as a private security contractor in a hostile or a war-torn zone, or as some call it, a non-permissive environment. Well, it is a mixed bag of blessings. Some good and some not so good. All in all though, private security contracting is much the same as life, in that it is what you make it. The MENA region, or the Middle East North Africa region. Lands of enchantment, lands of mystery, lands of the old ones, and the ancient ones. Myths, legends, folklore, maybe. If you believe what you read in the ancient and the holy texts, then you know that it all centered around what we refer to as the MENA region. That's right, folks, the Mediterranean. And you probably also know that to every legend or myth, there is a base of at least some truth. All right, folks, in this episode, I'm going to divert from the normal topics of conversation as I present a special guest and friend of mine to discuss some things of general interest to us. We stayed away, for the most part, from discussing topics that are near and dear to us, as well as a great many other people. However, we did agree that we would do so in a later episode. With this said, I now transition into that recorded conversation I had with my friend, Dave Maestas, founder 
of Discover Maestro or Discover Maestro and many other websites. You know, I looked at, you know, uh, I made sure the, uh, the place has hurricane glass. It was a newer house within, you know, a couple of years because all the codes for hurricanes and everything was changed so that all the newer houses, you know, had to have this, um, the, these standards, you know, for building. And right. I mean, yeah. So for us, it was like watching the hurricane here was, um, like watching it through a large screen TV, you know, cause we're look, looking out the, the back porch window here and we were just watching everything happen outside, you know, wind going sideways, you know, all my trees were like nice full leaf trees and everything little by little, just torn apart, torn apart, torn apart until they were just like either knocked over or, or scraggling pieces of, you know, limbs hanging there. Wow. So so it yeah. looks like a war zone too, doesn't it? Oh, absolute war zone. You know, the, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So two days after the hurricane, I said to my wife, I said, Hey, let's go drive around and see what's going on. Big mistake. You know, like, really? uh, yeah. Cause I mean, we got on the roads and as soon as we did, um, there's no traffic lights. So there was lots of traffic. And so the, through these major intersections, people are just like, all cluttered into the the intersections all trying to get around each other um and i'm like this is crazy and then you know along the sides of the road the well first of all in the traffic lights and the intersections the traffic lights were hanging all the way to the ground so you had mm. to like drive around the traffic light wow. um and then try to drive around traffic and then the sides of the roads all the signs on all the buildings and everything all blown out blown out blown over um yeah it looks like a, a nuclear bomb went off here that's exactly what it looks like to me wow i'll bet you know i've seen i don't watch the news i'm not a news hound like i used to be because all the stuff that's been going on has just infuriates me so yeah. and, and my wife my wife has to calm me down so i've learned to watch maybe one to two hours here you know throughout the course of a day yeah um once in a while it'll go like three hours but where I'm going with that is that I've seen some of the pictures and some of the, you know, live streams that like Fox news is doing. And it's like, wow, but that still does not, I mean, cause you, they're just giving you a, a brief view of what they're seeing right there at the moment. They're not giving you the grand tour and not the bird's eye view of it either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now, so how much of Florida has been affected by this? So, I mean, the biggest part, of course, was the beach. The beach is there because the 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 flooding and the storm surge, you know, just demolished places. Anything along the the beach where where it landed, inland, I think you know some people uh, they had flooding from rivers and stuff like that. So there was a lot of flooding. So a a good swath of land where that hurricane traveled uh, got hit pretty hard and had a lot of flooding. So it was. You know, it, it's definitely pretty bad. And, and um, yeah, so, I mean, after the second day we drove on the roads, I told my wife, I was like, we're not going nowhere. You know, <laughs> there's no there's no reason to risk your life getting on those roads. Right. Um, and there's nowhere to go because everywhere is closed. Wow. Um, amazingly, you know, a, a shopping uh, store near my house opened up 
two days after. Um, we didn't get power back for about four days, actually. Hmm. So no power, no internet. I mean, no cell phone service e- either. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, getting information was all word of mouth. Um, it, it reminded me of how, like, um, uh, cities should be prepared to, like, put out town criers, you know, people that would go out and be like, hey, this is what's going on. This is the news. Because otherwise it was a black hole. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, amazingly, like, even after we went to the store, um, I figured the store would like be flooded with people, you know, buying out everything. And I was, they were like buying potato chips and all kinds of crap. Here I am. I'm buying like, I'm buying spam. I've never eaten spam in my life, but I'm like, dude, that's meat. That's protein in a can. I can hang out forever. You know, I could probably eat that right. 10 years from now. I was buying up all that stuff, you know, and everybody else was buying like crap that they normally would buy. I'm like, you people right. are crazy, you know? Right. Um, so man yeah uh so we found like we drove there's um uh a lowe's that's near here and i drove by there and i saw that there was a cell phone or a uh, wi-fi signal and i was like holy crap how do they have power how do they have wi-fi so they must have had some internal generators and then the right. internal wi-fi that had to be satellite huh um, so I, I would, uh, pull up there and, uh, get on Wi-Fi every day, about once a day, just to download news and see what's going on. Huh. Um, but other than that, you know, I mean, everybody else, I mean, dude, there's, there's people that I know they lost everything, you know, they lost their whole entire houses. But again, you know, it, it's like, uh, the realtors that I talked to when I first got here was like, Hey, come look at the houses over here and i'm like heck no i've seen just thunderstorms flood that area <laughs> you know i'm not buying a house there and sure <laughs> enough if i would have bought the houses where these realtors were steering me i would have i would have lost my house you know i mean I would've, I would've, wow and just because of flooding wow you know, just because of flooding so um yeah it's pretty wild and and we're we're what two weeks into this here now and uh everything's pretty much uh, I don't want to say everything's opened up, but uh, many things have opened up already. So, I mean, you you can get anything that you wanted. I mean, literally two days after, if you, you know, there's all kinds of people sending supplies and sending food and water. I mean, you could go to Costco two days after and buy all the food and water that you wanted. Wow. You know, so huh. I mean, it's great that people are sending stuff. It's really awesome. Um, um, but at the same time, if you wanted to go buy it, you can go buy it. Huh. So is the efforts that were that started and are still underway, was that is it primarily led by the state of Florida or and or did uh, Brandon landing there and talking with DeSantis? <laughs> did that help any? Um, so there's a couple of things with this in that. Uh, let me go back in time a little bit. So the storm hit on a Wednesday, the Friday before, you know, we knew that that hurricane was like, um, about to hit Cuba. And I was like, oh, this is, uh, do I need to stock up on anything else? I'm thinking now I don't really, maybe I should top off my gas tanks in my car. On that Friday afternoon, I went to the gas station and there was a line a mile long. Wow. And I was like, holy crap, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, everybody everybody knew that, you know, Hey, there's a good potential that it's coming here. And then from that Friday onwards, you know, the, the line to get gas was a mile long. 
Really? Um, every day? Yeah, every day. From morning until night. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, so everybody was warned, and, and everybody was warned well ahead of, in, of time to either get ready or get out. You know, they told everybody, zones A, B, C, you need to evacuate. You know, they had at least 24-hour notice to get to get out of there. Hmm. So, you know, you hear like the news and stuff say, oh, you know, they didn't warn people and they didn't tell people they should get out. Man, that, that's, people <laughs> had so much time to get out of there. It's just absolutely insane. Right. So along with that, though, um, the state had already been um, putting trucks and, and uh, people that can fix things, you know, into like um, the local uh, fairgrounds, you know, like um, the the electrical people and things like that, you know, they were, they were staging water. They were staging things all over the place. They had shelters for people if they needed to, you know, go there. So they were extremely well prepared for when this hit here. Um, so that really quickly uh, places, electricity was starting to come on in a lot of places already. Um you know, within, I mean, 48 hours, we basically had power back again. Um, so, yeah, they, the amount of speed that they went and just started working on things was, like, incredible. Hmm. Um, and seeing all that happen, it was just like, these guys, you know, they, they're prepared. They knew what to do. Huh. So, yeah, that's the other thing, you know, and I, because I, I switched over to, you know, uh, other news stations and I hear all these stories about, hey, they're not taking care of us. And I'm like, dude. Everything you could possibly need is here, ready to go for you, waiting for you, hot food, clothes, you name it. Everything is just ready for you. Huh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to this day, I mean, uh, restaurants are open. We went and we ate at uh, uh, Outback, Outback, but uh, Texas Roadhouse um, uh, two days ago, you know, and, um, you know, things are things are back up and, and open and um yeah, if if these guys weren't prepared for it, it, it wouldn't be like this at all. So, right. Um, so they've been through it before. They knew what to do. Yeah. And and the residents, their visitors, tourists, whatever, if they if they weren't if they aren't getting the help you're talking about that certain media outlets are are purporting, that's probably because they either weren't paying attention. I mean, they're just, you know, completely oblivious or they just didn't heed the warnings. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, um, you, you could get anything you wanted. The communication on every, multiple channels is out there. They've got um, the cable companies have uh, vans that are out there. So that if you need Wi-Fi, you can get Wi-Fi. Um, wow. Yeah. Mm. So they they've got everything planned. Everything was. um well prepared for this thing to happen and then well prepared to start building after. And the only thing probably holding them back right now is of course, workers, you know, people that will, um, that are available to work and, and, uh, do construction. And, and, uh, so, I mean, the only thing we don't have is probably a lack of skill or a lack of people that want to work at all. <laughs> that seems to be, I'm just going to say it, man. That seems to be the new pandemic. <laughs> Nobody wants to work. <laughs> it is. It's um. It's absolutely crazy. You know, and like the people that were working, you know, at the grocery stores and and, and even the restaurants. You know, um. You know, we thanked every single one of them because I mean, 
they were affected by this and they were out there working and, and serving wow. the community. Right. So, um, yeah, and it's just like, and it, there's just, there's a lot of people wanting handouts um, versus going to, to work or, or going to help the community. And so that, mm. that part can be kind of um, discouraging, but overall the, the progress that's being made here is pretty crazy. So it's a couple, awesome. couple questions. So the people that are out there that are working and serving and helping people, do you, I'm going to just surmise and tell me if I'm right or not, that it's typically middle-aged and older folks that are doing that, not the younger folks. Um, it, it's because it, I'm not out in the community. Um, what you've seen. Yeah, seeing it. I mean, what I am seeing, especially because, you know, like my kids go to school here. So the, the community goes and help, you know, clean up the whole entire school, school grounds and all that stuff. It's all ages. And, and we've got okay. volunteers from other communities that are coming in here huh. and uh, and helping to, you know, clear things up. I mean, huh. you know, they're busing in, you know, school kids from from Miami, from, you know, other places. Wow. They're in, yeah, they're coming in and, and working. Wow. You know, somebody told me, I saw on the news that uh, uh, during an interview, they said that Fort Myers is actually a very small community. Um, is that correct? Uh, well, the Fort Myers Beach area is a small community. And then you got Fort Myers, which, you know, it's a decent size. It's pretty spread out. Um, so, so the city that, of Fort Myers, did that comprise all of it? Yeah, the city, well, the city of Fort Myers, you know, is, um, you know, it's got a wide area, and then you've got Fort Myers Beach, you know, uh, you cross a bridge in order to get just under the beach portion. Hmm. Excuse me, so um, it's a it's a decent size, and, and I mean, I'll tell you what, this place is like exploded with people just moving here from, you know, the place where I live here, I mean, this community here, um, just about everybody here is from out of state. Really? <laughs> yeah. All my neighbors, everybody, they are not from here. They Within the last year or so, every one of them left their blue state, mind you, to come <laughs> right? here. So it's pretty cool because, you know, a lot of people here, they're like, we're not putting up with, you know, any, any crap here. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't move here to put up with, you know, uh, some of the things, the crime and things that they're facing other places. Right. Well, I want to come back to that, but uh, so the, the effort that was spearheaded and is still underway is, is that like the Florida state emergency management agency? Is that FEMA uh, or is it just something, somewhat something else? I don't think it's FEMA. I mean, I really think it's uh, state driven. I mean, I, huh. I believe, you know, like uh, governor DeSantis, I mean, he's like all over everything here. I mean, it's just, amazing to see what um uh he's done uh to come in here and just work and, and fix everything to hmm. you know from from the beginning from alerting everybody all the way to when it happened to reconstruction um it just seems like you know he's got things that in action it's kind of uh it's a really well-oiled machine that hmm. um i think when you see incidents happen in other states uh, that are that are catastrophic as well you don't see anything like this you know hmm. um it's just it's super amazing so do you think because i've thought about this do you think it has something to do with 
DeSantis being a veteran, a commissioned veteran at that, um, or does it have more to do with the people he surrounded himself with? And then the third one is maybe it's because there's a large populace of uh, military people down there and they just get things done. Is it a combination of all of it? Is it something different? Um, you know, as a whole, the community down here is pretty amazing. They're, um, you know, looking to to help each other out as much as possible. And, hmm. and I mean, realistically, I, mean, I do put it with leadership. You know, I mean, too many times you hear people say, hey, I want to run for this office, that office, but they don't have the leadership skills and the uh, problem solving skills, you know, to do things that need to get done. Hmm. Um and then, you know, there's some people I think that maybe in politics where, uh, you know, they're just trying to do whatever it takes to look good so they can get reelected, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think that, especially like DeSantis, I think that he had, um, you know, everything planned so that, hey, if, if this happens, what are we going to do? And, and let's go in there and do it. So and I'm sure, you know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of these plans were written up, you know, a long time ago as well. But it, it, he enacted those plans and policies, I think, in a way that um, just got things done. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I just I, I think about that sometimes. You know, what is it that distinguishes and discerns what you're seeing down there on the ground as a resident um, at that state level versus so many other states? And, you know, holistically. We can just say, well, because in the other states, they're blue states, they got all these radical libs running around controlling and running everything. And as a lot of us know from firsthand experience, and sometimes just because everything else that we read and, and that we're exposed to, these people so often don't have the qualifications to be doing to be fulfilling the position that they're in, whether it's the governor or the mayor, council member, um, some bureaucrat, what have you. Um, which, you know, and where I'm going to go with that is that because I've had conversations with guys here recently where we've talked about we got no problems helping out friends, neighbors, and everybody else, whether it's bringing somebody in for a job or working for them that's you know that's what you do but the caveat is you got to be qualified <laughs> you know we're going to reach out to our friends our network and hire those guys but we're going to hire the guys that are qualified for it so you might have been qualified for this project but you're not qualified for that project i think that's something that we are sorely lacking and missing in politics these days would you agree yeah you know it's being decisive you know, seeing what's happening, making a decision, following through with that decision and taking responsibility for those actions. And I think that is, you know, the key for a lot of leadership uh, today is um, they're, they're, they don't make sound and timely decisions. Um, and, and they're more afraid of, hey, what's going to happen if... Um, if this goes bad, well, then I'm going to overreact. You know, I'm going to over, right. you know, um, produce uh, rules and and things that um, just cover me just in case something goes bad. You know, right? It's that CYA mentality. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, 
I think if you can get leaders in, especially who are not worried about, hey, uh, I'm not going to get reelected if I make a bad decision, you know, I mean, that's, you know, you just got to roll with it, make your decision and go with it and do your best. Right. And Um, if it doesn't work, rather than getting all worked up and going to your safe space with all your inner circle and figuring out how to cover yourself, just say, hey, it didn't work. Let's fix it. Right. I mean, yeah, it didn't work. And hey, you know, maybe I won't get reelected, but you know what? I'm going to go do other things in life that are great, you know? <laughs> right. But you I'm know? just saying, but just, just acknowledge, right? But I mean, in business, your business, my business, everybody's business, I mean, entrepreneurs, because that's basically what you are, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, bootstrap this stuff. It's all, everything is on us. I mean, everything is on us. And if, and the only way we're going to grow, if we grow, and succeed is if we're willing to critically look at and listen and think about what's going on and recognize this portion isn't working. So I need to fix that portion. This cog isn't working. I need to replace that cog. I mean, same thing in government, right? Yeah. Should be, should be anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. So we, yeah, so we see this stuff. And I mean, I talk to guys that, you know, in the security field, it, you know, we, we hear and read this stuff. And as my network continues to expand, I hear more stuff, but I mean, this, this tomfoolery, the stuff that, that, I mean, just absolutely infuriates me where I want to vomit on the floor. My wife has to tell me to stop watching the news. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got, you know, I mean, even in like in Oregon, I've talked to a guy and, he, and I said, you know, I was down there in Portland uh, a couple of years ago. I was down in Eugene about a year ago, you know, for various stuff. And I said, what I saw then was, I mean, it was at, it was everything that guys like you and I were complaining about, saw it on the street, saw it right there. It's like, wow, this is crazy. I mean, it really was. They're saying it's worse. If you can imagine, it's even worse in states like California and Oregon, and everybody is either exiting or planning on exiting. It's crazy. They're moving to Florida, Montana, Idaho, Arizona. Um, some have said New Mexico. I don't know why. I've been down there recently. And if Albuquerque is any indication of, of, uh, of what's happening in New Mexico, I mean, I'm just saying, man, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. And, and guys like us, I'm sure your feelings are not dissimilar from mine. It's like, this is not America. This is not what America is about. Uh, none of it, all of it. It's so crazy. Um, yeah, you know, my parents live in Albuquerque. So, um, you know, I know that area very well. And uh, I would not want to live there. You know, it's just like crazy. Um, the crime there is just out of control. It is. Um, it is. So- you know, uh, I every day. Day. I was down there for 30 days. I worked there 30 days straight. And I was down there. And every day people would ask me, you know, make statements and questions about, you know, safety, security, concerns, this, that, one thing. Another's like, yeah, no, I, I hear it every day. Trust me. <laughs> every day, people, as they walked by, said, so, yeah, it's like, is that bad in Albuquerque? They go, oh, yeah. And they said, especially on that side of town. They said, you're in this, you're, and then I find out in my final week that I was there, I was in what they used to call the war zone. <laughs> and I said, and they went on to tell me, yeah, you know, the gangs here, the gangs over there. And I went, 
wow. And, and then the guys I was working with were, were acknowledging the same thing. But it was in the final week that I find out I was working in the worst, possibly the worst part of Albuquerque. But I didn't have any issues. You know, I had no issues. Uh, I had, you know, maybe in my final few days, a few stragglers I call, you know, transients, whatever you want to call them. But, um, I mean, it, it was every day. I heard sirens from where I was. I heard the sirens every day. Sometimes as many as five to seven occurrences going up and down that main avenue where I was at. Uh, in the huge parking lot area, there was a major retailer. I won't mention their name, <laughs> but they had every day EMTs arriving. Uh, yeah. and, and I never heard the gunshots. But other people would come by and say, yeah, there was just a shooting, you know, and I guess just because there's enough airspace out there and the way the topography and everything else is, I didn't hear because it's only, well, you know, half a mile away, a mile away. That's that could be quite a distance with everything else going on for for you to hear gunshots out there. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I just. You know, but the other side of that, Dave, is I remember more so on my drive back because it's like, whoo. I'm going home. So it was nice and easy, just casual. What a gorgeous drive. All, I mean, whether it was New Mexico or Colorado or Nevada or Utah or Idaho, all the way home. It's like this, I mean, just the immense diversity of outdoors that I saw. And it's like, this is stuff I've only seen in books. Yeah. I mean, it was and and then the other thing is <clears throat> the absolute number of good people out there that you would ordinarily if you were just walking or driving you'd think all kinds of things but because i was forced to talk with them because i'm working there it's like you know what i mean there were some there were some bad people don't get me wrong but there were a lot of really good people and the thing that really impressed me the most i mean the and I used to say this to some of the client reps is the Mexican community, Hispanics, however they prefer to be called. They, I got to know a number of them. And, and one of them was a reformed uh, uh, gang member, drug dealer, yada, yada, yada. And uh, he stopped by five or seven times and we had great conversations. He wore the cross around his neck. I mean, he was totally reformed, but he had the gang tats all over him. But we had great conversations. I guess when it, it was really amazing. All this stuff that's going on at the border with everybody coming through. And, it, and apparently it's like I've heard 110 countries where immigrants are coming through the southern border um, from 110 countries. But I guess it was just amazing how many good people are out there. And it revalidated what I've been saying for years is it doesn't matter whether you come from the Arab world or you come from South of the border or you come from Eastern Europe, good people are good people. But I was just amazed how many there were there. And they were so glad. They were so appreciative that many of them for having security there because the place was, was night and day difference within two weeks of me landing there where I was working. And I had a number of people from the stores and from the community that were coming in to shop and stuff. 
offer to buy me stuff. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Can I buy you this? Can I get you that? Absolutely amazing. So I'm of the I'm of the avid opinion that all the problems we're seeing and experiencing these days is not us. It's them, the politicians and the people that they're working with to stir the pot and and agitate everything. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, it's just like, um, and I'll, I'll tell you, you uh, when I was in a, my last trip in Afghanistan, I lived in a small village um, in Afghanistan, and it was basically, um, we're surrounded by Taliban. I mean, the guys who, you know, we were hiring to become, you know, local police, you know, to, uh, to help security in the area. You know, there were Taliban guys. I mean, they're the, and what I saw was that the families there, they just wanted what everybody else wants for their kids. And that's to grow up in, in relative peace and to see them grow up to be, you know, uh, good people and do great things. Um, so I, th- I think that's the same thing around the world. I think most people want to see their kids grow up to be happy. And yes, I think that uh, there's a political spectrum that's out there right now that uh, they want to dominate. And they're a very small minority, especially in the United States these days. Uh, but they're influencing large amounts of people, you know, uh, by producing, you know, uh, negative reports and false news, fake news, you know, uh, <laughs> on what's going on, you know, it's yeah. just like, I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, before, just before this, um, you know, cause I, you know, I run numerous websites, information websites, news websites. So um, one of the stories that was uh, on our site, because we we aggregate some of this new, the news that's out there, you know, just had negative things about Fort Myers and, Uh, how people weren't prepared and how the government didn't prepare them. Now I'm just so angry, you know, because this national news source is reporting this stuff. I'm like, that is so not true though. Mm. What they're reporting is just like, absolutely not true. And I know what they're doing. You know, they're just trying to stir up the pot down here and, um, you know, make people think that especially like DeSantis isn't doing his job, which is, you know, it's nothing it was nothing but, you know, fake news. It's just oh, so it, it really, really annoyed me, you know, just before we got on here. So, well, that I'm glad you brought this stuff up. Uh, so a couple or a few things. One, uh, something I negated to do earlier, but for the folks that are listening or watching, um, most of them know me or know who I am, uh, but they know. Let's start with your name and 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 anything else that you want that you think is relevant or pertinent that they should know about you, your history, background, how you got to where you're at now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, you know, my name is David Maestas. Um, I spent 20 years in the Army from 94 to 2014. Uh, pretty much the first half of my career, you know, I was an Airborne Ranger, 2nd Ranger Battalion. Spent some time in Lurse up in 10th Mountain. Um, spent a little uh, time in the infantry up at uh, Fort Drum, New York, uh, before finally, you know, uh, uh, moving on to Special Forces. And, um, you know, I, I, I knew that I was going to spend a lifetime in the military. My family's from Vermont. Fort Drum was, you know, three hours away from my family. So I wanted to spend a little time in the middle, which is why I, I took my break away from Special Ops in a way. 
Um, but by the time I retired, you know, I had four tours, uh, two in Iraq, two in Afghanistan, almost four years of time there. Uh, when I retired, I was a master sergeant and I was uh, leading special forces teams, 12 man teams. Um, so, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the core of my military background. And then uh, once I left, um, you know, I, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do after military service. Um, you know, there was contracting, there's all kinds of different things that were out there. So, uh, but I decided, you know, hey, I'm going to start my own businesses. I started a t-shirt business. Um, I found quickly, you know, that if I wanted to do a t-shirt business, I better learn marketing um, because I was spending eight hours a day making shirts and eight hours a day marketing. So uh, uh, I quickly, you know, uh, grew my business into uh, the marketing world. Uh, so we're looking at eight years now. Um, almost, I've been running a, a marketing agency, um, and the most important thing out of that was, you know, being able to prove that I could grow my own audiences. Because uh, if I can't grow my own audience, how am I going to grow up for another business? You know. Mm. So um, you know, I, I built informational websites, and now we get you know seven hundred thousand people that visit our sites every month. I've got over three hundred thousand people that follow us on social media. Or belong in our social media groups hmm. um and so yeah I, I built my own little following um which you know i used to help promote my my clients as well so it's pretty awesome hmm. um but that's uh the majority of what we do and yeah i'm, I'm an entrepreneur you know i uh, uh you know i own a, a radio show broadcast out of california hmm. um my business partner primarily runs that um I also help produce major events throughout the United States. So events that would have 125,000 people, 100,000 people at a time um, attending some of these events. Um, uh, man. So yeah, I, always looking for opportunities, you know? Um, you know, it's amazing because um, still to this day, uh, looking at you on the camera, and I remember when the day you and I first met down there in the Olympia area, right? Yeah. It's like you come across as such a low key, just an, another average dude. And, and that's how you present yourself. And, you know, and I tell people all the time, at least I try to, especially when they're all acting Jason Bourne like, right? It's like, you know, the most real people I've ever met and worked with and come to know you couldn't hold a candle to them. But my point is that, and it probably took you some time and you probably had to evolve and, and work through your dark moments. Like a lot of people did, but you came through it, you figured it out and you just, you probably have your moments like all of us, <laughs> you know, but I mean, but you've learned to contain it and compartmentalize it and focus on what's in front of you. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, especially in special forces they always talk about the quiet professionals so you know i'm in the marketing world you know where you know everybody's supposed to be like hey look at me you know i still don't do that for myself i do that for my clients you know because i don't like bringing more attention to myself um i really compartmentalize a lot of my businesses because um what will happen is you know if someone wants to attack one of your businesses you know it makes sure that the rest of them don't fall like dominoes you know right um so, I mean, like, and one of the biggest reasons why I left Washington State 
Um, I mean, I spent 15 of my 20 years of service up there at Washington. Wow. And then, you know, I spent another seven years after I retired. Um, mm. But, you know, living up there in, in that blue state with those uh, political leanings, uh, you know, I mean, you had the threats, you know, you had Antifa up there. You had uh, people that were, you know, they'd call you racist in a heartbeat if they could just to try and destroy you. <laughs> You know, yeah. so um, and then, of course, you know, when COVID hit, um, you know, the the forced vaccinations and or else you're going to get fired from your jobs. You can't go into a restaurant, all that stuff. I was like, this is not right. You know, so um, yeah. included, you know, I, I, my kids were doing the online schooling. And since I work from home, you know, I'm listening to what their online schooling was. And I was like, these kids aren't learning nothing. You know, this is the. Wow. This is such a waste of time. And, and not only that, but uh, the things that they were being taught were politically influenced and you could hear it. You could see it. It's just like so insane. Hmm. So I told my wife, you know, um, uh, we got to get out of here. And, uh, you know, I mean, like my wife was the PTA president of our kids school. You know, we were heavily involved in the school. Hmm. So we would get. um uh, messages from teachers that were like hey you guys got to know what's happening in the school and can you just report it somehow because um people have to know what they're doing in these schools it's crazy you know mm -hmm. and that you're talking about the whole woke you know stuff that's going on and, and secret meetings and secret um meetings with just specific races so that um you know these are things that just shouldn't happen. Schools should be open about what they're doing. Um, and so, yeah, we were reporting on a lot of that stuff uh, that was up there. And over time, I'm like, you know what? Uh, we've got to get our kids back in school. Hmm. And um, yeah, so our kids are in school here now. And I'll tell you what, the school, I mean, our kids are in a private, you know, school here. Um, and it's just night and day. I feel bad. Hmm. I'm like, man, I wish I would have went to this school growing up i mean this the school is just super amazing i'm every day i'm just like i'll tell the teachers what do you need you know you need books you need you know what do you need i'll give you you know whatever <laughs> you guys need to help you with your job because you guys are so amazing and huh. i mean it's pretty different when your kids come back from school every day and like i had a great day at school today was awesome every single day mm. you know such wow. a difference so right uh, yeah, so now, you know, uh, running my business uh, out of Florida now, but I mean, specifically, you know, we're operating in, uh, you know, still Washington State quite a bit, um, Arizona, Texas, uh, Georgia, North Carolina here, mm -hmm. and then we'll expand into Tennessee, Colorado, and New York um, by the end of the year. Wow, that's amazing. That's quite a, that's, that's, that's pretty huge. You start, cause you started this, uh, what about seven years ago, eight years ago? Yeah. About eight years ago. Wow. It's amazing. The, did, did you ever foresee even in your wildest notions getting to where you're at now? No, no, no. You know, I never, um, um, I never thought it would, it, it would evolve into this and, you know, realistically just, um, for me, it was a thing where, you know, I had to educate myself, you know, what are the latest and greatest technologies that are out there? Uh, what are the best, you know, salesmanship practices that are out there? 
And so on a daily basis, I'll talk mm. to people from other countries. You know, uh, Ukraine uh, was pretty big before. The Philippines, uh, India, um, Colombia, and uh, Brazil. So, you know, mm. th there's a lot of people that are out there that are looking at technologies that exist today. And they're saying, how can I make this even better? And so they're coming out with cutting edge stuff that is just people that have no idea about. I would say 95% of the businesses out there have no idea that some of these uh, marketing tools and technologies exist. And because of that, they're falling farther and farther behind. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, educating yourself to make sure you're, you're ahead of everybody else um, as much as possible. And, uh, you know, teaching myself every, I mean, I taught myself everything, you know, of course, everything on social media, you know, how to make great videos, how to um, graphic, do graphic design, make logos. I mean, you name it. Hmm. Um, email marketing. I mean, <clears throat> most people, don't realize how deep email marketing is. Hmm. And I mean, there's things that if, if you don't um, configure your, uh, some of the digital aspects of your email systems that your email is going to go to spam. It's not going to reach anybody. Um, <laughs> it, it, you, you could work full time on just doing email marketing alone. Wow. Let, okay. Now, so perfect intro. I need to ask you because um I at link I'm I'll say it at LinkedIn. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um I get hit almost daily, but certainly several times a week. You know, people want to connect, this, that. You know, I get notifications, people follow me and they want to connect. So much of it, and I'm the kind of guy that unless I'm reading their profile and there's just a bunch of red flags pop up, it's like, okay, whatever. You know, who cares? But so much of it lately is digital currency experts, you know, and I'm reading their profile and I'm thinking, how does that make you an expert uh, marketing? And I'm looking at the, really, you're, <laughs> you're an expert. I mean, just go down the list, you know, for that, that general industry and, and the sectors in it, whether it's marketing sales, digital currency, but those seem to be the three things that I get hit with a lot and they all want my business. They, they want, you know, and I'm like, you know, and there's there's probably I'd say somewhere between three and five, but certainly three, but between three and five that the conversations I've had with them via LinkedIn, I thought, okay, when the time comes, I'll keep you in mind. You know, let me consider it. But so much of it, and there's so many people. I mean, so you hit on a good point because there's a lot of people that want to get in it for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they're the same reason, sometimes they're different. What so for people out there, men and women businesses or just individuals when they when this happens when they're approached by people like that what are some of the things that they key things and other things that maybe they can pay attention to and glean from these conversations and say yeah he or she is qualified he and he or she isn't i want to stay away from them i mean got any pointers <laughs> like you wouldn't believe so okay I've, I firmly like uh, LinkedIn. There is uh, a lot of automation that's going on right now with LinkedIn so that, you know, there's a computer program that you can use and so that it'll continually uh, reach out to people that are in a niche that you're looking for. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's an automated system um, that'll send out one email or one message that says, hey, just looking to connect with you. Then the next one will say something like, hey, you know, 
since we've connected, you know, I want to, I'd like to show you what I have. You, uh, would you like to set up an appointment with you or with me? So me specifically, uh, a on LinkedIn or any platform, I don't reach out to people and say, Hey, I, I want your business. I need you to become a client of mine. I don't do that. Um, cause I don't have to, I have, you know, other funnels that I use, uh, that people will come to me. I don't have to go to them. So that's kind of the hard part for me because, you know, it says marketing in my profile. And as soon as I send a friend request, people will be like, oh, he just wants to sell me marketing. And I'm like, no, man, I, I just want to connect with you. I'm just connecting with uh, people in your area because I'm expanding business or I'm helping another client. Um, so, mm. but what I do is I turn it totally around and here's how I do it. So um, the first thing I do is I send them a message back that says, hey, listen, you know, I, I'd like uh, to do business with you. I get a, numerous messages every single day. So I just need you to fill out this form um, with your business information so that um, I can get back to you and we can see if we're a good fit. So the, the magic in this part is that they fill out the form. That form is connected to a marketing automation system that I have. So now after they fill out that form, I will watch and see every single time they visit my website. So I know every time they're visiting. Hmm. Um, I know that, you know, it, uh, it'll help me to determine if they're really interested in my uh, company, hiring my company, or if they're just interested in selling me something. Hmm. Um, so I totally turned it around in that now I've got their full contact information that I can reach out to them if I want to. I can tell them, hey, I know a great pizza joint in your area, you know, because they're a client of mine. Hmm. Um, so when, when it comes to especially LinkedIn, I mean, some of the things especially I look for is that if somebody sends you a Gmail or a generic email address, then in my opinion, I'm thinking um, uh, this person, you know, they can't afford a real email address with you know, their domain. So that means that they're probably not where they should be, especially right. as a marketing agency, if they're reaching out to you, if they're reaching out with a Gmail or something like that, um, uh, I consider unprofessional. Um, and I would say that that's a person who I'm probably not going to do business with. But even then, um, there's things that you can do, for example, that allow you to look at their website. And so me as a marketing agency, if I get another marketing agency or someone says, hey, we want to collaborate, whatever. Um, I'll take a look at their website. I'll look at the back end of what technologies are on their website. And if they're missing some of the critical things that a good marketing agency should have, which I would say only one to 2% of the agencies out there have it. Um, if they don't have that, then that tells me right away that they're not in a good position to help me or help any of my clients. Hmm. Okay. So um, it, it's all about technology. If you don't have the technology, then I know where you're at because I was there once. Huh. Okay. So now are there certain businesses that benefit more from this sort of help than others? I mean, is it, it I'm as, like a lot of businesses, you know, there, I mean, more, some people will benefit more than others. Is that the same with your industry? Um, so um, the, the ones that I know that are like, slam dunk hits any day of the week are the home services industries, roofing, plumbers, um, you know, construction, cleaning, those people like that, I can get a business all day long. There is no 
hmm. issues a problem. And that's just because of, um, you know, I've worked with so many industries. And so I know how, how that all works. Restaurants is huge. Professional services like lawyers, um, attorneys, you know, um, uh, people like that. Those are easy. They're, so the key is I have especially other software that'll tell me like how many people were looking for that business in the last 30 days within 20 miles of them. Hmm. If that uh, company in that industry has thousands of people that are looking for them, um, I can tell, you know, that probably they didn't get a lot of those clients. So now I've got to be able to shift those potential clients to them because um, I know where they're at. I know where they're looking. Um, now, if there's an industry that I look at and there's nobody that's really looking for that industry within uh, the last 30 days, within 20 miles, I would tell them, hey, we're, we've got some work to do because we've hmm. got to educate your whole entire community that you exist and your industry exists. Hmm. So I'm at, I got to ask, the question that comes to mind then with that um, a guy that I used to associate with closely some years ago um, when I hung it up and decided I wanted to stay home uh, was because I was trying to get on a lot of state and federal contract stuff. Right. At one, at one point he, he, he made the comment, Scott, start local, start local, focus local and build out from there. Now, it took me some time to, to come to terms with all that and figure it all out, but that seems to have really, it took a little time, but it seems to have worked. Uh, are you of the same notion or opinion? For yeah, people yeah. that are, especially for those that are new or trying to build. Yeah, for the most part, unless you're selling um, like coffee, you know, you could sell coffee nationwide. Hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, widgets like that or let's say you're selling a pen you know and you want people to buy your pens you can go national with that stuff easy but for the most part like the home services and stuff like that of course yeah i mean nobody from colorado is gonna hire you to be a plumber if you're in washington state you know <laughs> um so yeah definitely start local but it, definitely networking with uh, the local community like um your local chamber of commerce hmm. um because those people will help to um refer business to you Hmm. Um, the only thing is, is you can network with people, but if you're networking with people and, and you're not reminding them that you exist, you're not showing up at meetings or whatever, they forget about you. You know, some right. people like online going, Hey, I need a plumber. Um, but because they're, you're not in their face enough, they right. totally forget that. Oh, I got this guy in the hmm. chamber he's a plumber and he, he can help you out. They totally forget about that stuff. So, uh, you have to constantly remind people that you hmm. exist. Otherwise people will forget about you. Interesting. So, so for the, the entrepreneur, small business person, whether it's one person or maybe it's a co-op because of some friends or family got together and said, let's start this nifty business. Um, they're probably going to be, if, if they do these steps properly, um, they're probably going to find that they're really pretty darn busy. I mean, there's always something that they need to, do because like you're talking about meetings with chambers of commerce meetings with business people and all the other back end stuff that you don't see out there right um so if a comp if a company or an individual um is looking for sales and marketing um and that's something we haven't done uh we've kind of anyway what's what's your business your name and how do they find somebody like you 
uh, well, my company's Discover Maestro. You know, we're out of Fort Myers, Florida. Um, I'm not necessarily looking for more clients, though, you know. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, I, I look at it like this. You know, if a friend says, hey, you know, uh, can you talk to these guys and, and see what they have? If you have somebody that knows you, especially it's like, hey, you do an introduction. Generally, you know, I'll talk with them. Um, so a lot of times what I'll, I'll actually do is I'll coach a business, you know, what they should be doing themselves okay. uh, to make sure that, A, they've got a strong digital foundation and, and what they can do to grow. Um, and most of the things that are out there, they can do themselves. It's mm -hmm. when you get to, you know, uh, your business really starts to grow, um, that there's other things that, you know, we would implement, um, you know, to help them out. But, um, you know, for the most part, a lot of people can do things themselves. It just takes a little bit of their time when they grow and they, um, can afford a, a marketing person who knows what they're doing. You know, that's when, you know, we'll be ready for them, but. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a whole nother world. I'll give you a great example. Okay. So pick, pick an, pick a state, a city in a state, first of all. Okay. Let's, uh, I hate to do it, but let's say Seattle, Washington. <laughs> Cause I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying I, when it comes to business, I, I, I try not to go to Seattle if I don't have to. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, but I've been that way since the mid nineties. I had a conversation with somebody here recently. I said, you know, all this stuff. I remember seeing what I now recognize beginning in the mid to late nineties. And I said, and that was about the time I stopped going to Seattle if I didn't have to be down there, you know, <laughs> but, so, <laughs> uh, but so, Seattle, Washington. So and pick an industry. Uh, okay. Uh, easy security. All right. And there's a conversation to that too, that I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're probably, uh, so we're not going to look at security, um, systems. We're probably going to look for security, uh, protection. Companies. Right? Yeah. Security protection, security companies. Yeah. Yeah. Cause security company gets it all. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Security protection. Right. So, I'm going to look at um, this one company to start with. And this is, so we're, it's going to take a couple of minutes to populate a report. Okay. So security in Seattle. All right. So. Um, yeah. Security is one of those pet peeves of mine. I mean, I love it, you know, and I tell people all the time, whether I'm talking with my boys or other people and it comes up, it's like, you know, and I've, I've said this publicly too. There's a lot of people in the security industry that shouldn't be in it. Uh, Cause either a, they're not qualified or they're not properly qualified or uh, they're in it for the wrong reasons. They're in it for the money because there's so much money to be made now. And uh, I said, but you got to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, if you don't like it, you're in it for the wrong reasons. You know, you, I mean, I think that pretty much goes for anything, right? the industry you're in when you were in the military. I mean, if you don't enjoy it, yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta recognize when it's time to get out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the most important thing of course is that you enjoy it. Um, and that's uh, the, the thing is this, it's just like anything else, you know, uh, you're going to have your good days and your bad days. So you're going to have, um, uh, things that will eventually happen. You're like, you know what? I just don't like doing this anymore, you know? Right. Um, and then maybe you can, that's where 
it becomes important that you're able to adjust um, with what you're doing and you can, um, I'm downloading this here real quick. Okay. You can outsource, you know, possibly some of the things that you don't want to do anymore. Right. You know, um, you know, the greatest example for me was I did uh, t-shirts and I realized, man, I, you know, we're, you're talking about rubbing ink on shirts, you know, one color at a time, going to the next one, rubbing ink on it and doing that all day long. After I was doing that, I was like, you know what? This is not fun. <laughs> you know, um, it, it sounds really exciting. Like if I was making um, 10 shirts, uh, that's kind of fun to me. But if I was having to make 100, 200, 300 shirts, uh, it just was so boring to me. Huh. Um, and then the next step up from that was, you know, buying automated machines. And then what fun is that? You know, and that, <laughs> I, I kind of see making shirts as sort of like an, an art, you know, um, an art form. Okay. So, yeah, but, no, uh, I, I know. I know. I know of a number of people who've gotten into that and I think some of them are still in it. And, uh, I think, yeah, I think there is a, there, you've got to have what the right verbiage, the right image, the right picture, the right logo, something that's, uh, I, but and this probably applies to all businesses, something that's a little bit distinctive. That's a little bit different from the rest of them. And that can probably be what the most difficult thing is figuring out what discerns your logo brand or your product from all the rest that are in that big pot of everything else right um yeah yeah there's there's just there's a million <laughs> factors you know that are involved in it you know right um you know starting with you know what i call your digital foundation making sure your uh listings are up to date listings are your name address and phone number across numerous websites that google uses to rank you mm. um so if you don't have those things set up um you know, people have a hard time finding you or even worse, they will find your competitor before you and they will hire them before you. Okay. So let me tell you right now in Seattle in the last 30 days within 20 miles of zip code 98119, which is in Seattle somewhere, there was 3,864 people that were specifically looking to hire someone for security. Wow. Um, this one company had only 15 uh people look at that at their profile um look at them online which is pretty crazy out of 3800 people only they only get 15 people they did get three leads out of that so if you look at those three leads let's say their average contract was like uh uh 10 to fifty thousand dollars let's just say ten thousand dollars um a month you know maybe if they had if they closed the deal on all three of those leads that's thirty thousand dollars a month they could possibly make and maybe they're happy with that you know? Right. But for the most part, there's 3,800 of them here. Wow. And so when you don't have a large the amount of those people come to you, you can't pick and choose which jobs you want, uh, which will be the most opportune jobs and which jobs will probably be long-term. Um, mm. You're just taking whatever scraps you can get, which is for him, he had three leads. And that's only if uh, those companies did business with him. Out of those three, he'd be he'd be lucky if one of them hired him <laughs> well you know that's a that's a i mean two things one that number in a 30-day period is absolutely astonishing i'm i'm amazed that there's that i mean i, I shouldn't be amazed knowing what's going on <laughs> you know um because i've had a project that wrapped up just this week past that was started out was supposed to only be two weeks we went almost 10 weeks on it 
Um, now, fortunately, I didn't, for a variety of reasons, I didn't actually partake personally and physically. I had a lot of, I had some guys do that for me, but everybody from the end client to the vendor to ever was ecstatic and elated about the whole thing. But um, I guess the other thing is when you, cause in a click, when you said uh, lead, cause there's a company, I don't know if, if I should mention the company's name, that's an online bidding uh, site. So people that are looking for security, because I get stuff from them all the time. And I, and I, they send you these leads and it, and depending on various factors, it'll cost you X number of credits and you got to purchase these credits for these leads. Now I can see these leads and read them all day long. I just can't get the critical information I'm looking for, like their phone number and their email address, unless I'm willing to pay for it. I stopped doing that because I got tired of the bidding wars. Um, so from your perspective, what's your take on sites like that and, and individuals or businesses like mine? I mean, I guess it makes sense for some. And it doesn't make sense for others. Uh, what's your take on that? What's, what's your recommendation or, or thoughts mm-hmm. on it? Um, yeah, so some sites are better than others uh, to use for your marketing. Um, it, it's just like Google. If you're going to use Google ads, um, you have to know how to set them up. You have to know, you know, wh- what is the best way to do it, how to monitor it. And then you got to make sure that you have a solid um, piece of material that you're driving them to that's going to help convince them to make a call with you. Hmm. And so if you don't have all these things set up uh, properly, then you can have problems. You can be like, oh, Google sucks. You know, <laughs> I'm not, I didn't get nothing off of Google, you know. Okay. Um, or if, for example, you uh, have never had any formal salesmanship training, um, if you can't close the deal, it doesn't matter how many leads that you get. The problem is, is you can't close deals. Hmm. You know, most people want to think that, oh, you know, I can close deals. I'm a closer, whatever. I'm telling you, there's a whole entire system when it comes to sales. Hmm. Um, so that if you're not trained for that, um, you're going to lose the majority of the people that you have. Interesting. Um, outreach is pretty huge too. You know, like for example, um, I have systems where, uh, let's say for a security company. Okay. What I would probably do is I would say, hey, let's try and pick 100 to 1,000 businesses that you'd be interested um, in reaching out to. Uh, and then from that list, I would seek out the, the president, vice president, chief operations officer. I would get their cell phone number, their personal email addresses, all that stuff. And then what I would do is I would send, I would put it into a system and I would start uh, emailing them. And say things like, hey, you know, uh, for example, hey, this is Scott. You know, I'm in the area. We provide security services. Just want to reach out to you in case you need us. Keep Mm -hmm. us in mind. Um, And then periodically be sending out uh, these emails. Now, the important aspect about this is that you're watching them. You're watching them open the email. You're watching them uh, when they come back to visit you. And if you notice, and especially that they're coming back to your website uh, over a period of days, you know, like once a day over the next three, four or five days, you know that they're actually thinking about security. So that's hmm. when you pick up the phone and say, hey, listen, you know, this is Scott. I'm with security company XYZ. Uh, do you have any questions about how security can help you enhance your business? Hmm. Um, and they're more than likely going to say, wow, that's just so interesting because I was just looking at your website and you're like, oh, really? <laughs> interesting, you know? 
Um, and that's primarily how um, I do things nowadays, especially is that I'm just watching when people visit my website, I know exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. And when they keep coming back, I know that they're ready for us to have a conversation one way or another. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, and, and two things. One, that's why anybody, again, from individual to small business to company that um, is looking to expand um, and, and do it right, if they can't afford to hire the people directly uh, to, to do what you're talking about, to not only get the leads, but then to close them, close the deal, uh, reaching out to a company like yours, even though you said you may not be interested in, in additional clients at this time, but I mean, reaching out to companies like that are in your industry is a good thing if they're looking to do that. But the other thing is, uh, I think you told me this once and, and I've heard it a few times since is that uh, the average buyer, um, unless they know for, for whatever reason, they know exactly what they want and where to go get it. The average person, what visits, that website three to five times before buying six to eight times. Okay. Six to eight. Okay. Six to eight times before someone will buy from you. That's what I tell everybody every day. Huh. I, you know, I've got them, you know, everything we do is built on um, numbers. You know, it's built on data that proves, you know, what, um, how we do things, especially. So um, knowing your data and knowing who visits your sites and things like that, is the most important thing in the world. And I'll give you a great example. Let's say that um, you have a thousand people that visit your website. Out of that thousand, um, you get 10 leads. Um, out of those 10 leads, your closing rate is one. You know, so, you know, that's not a, a great um, number, you know, necessarily, but let's say that you want two uh, leads that, turn into clients well now you know that more than likely you've got to make sure that 2,000 people see you mm-hmm. you know 20 people are actually converting into leads and then that will equate to two people becoming clients hmm. and then you can tweak it you know as far as the two people becoming clients from the original 10 or 20 um, based on your closing practices and how you do salesmanship um, so you can increase that from one to five um, to seven um, so everything is all about numbers. And once you have those numbers and you're tracking it all, then you can start tweaking how you do things in order to, to get more business. Hmm. So when, when, when a business or an individual is, is cold calling, for lack of a better term, whether it's knocking on doors or shaking hands or doing the, the, the marketing stuff and the, and, but that's, that takes, uh, the, the words aren't right there, but I mean, not everybody can, can do that. I mean, but, but it, it's similar to socializing, whether you, if you go back to your time in school or your time when you were working with the, see the same group of people, every time you showed up to work, I mean, it's those. So the sales and closing thing, a lot of it, does any of it, or a lot of it have to do with social skills and being able to connect with somebody, just talking with them. Or, or, or should you be laser focused on selling them? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things that have to be done, especially them. I'll give you a good example. Let's say that you have somebody that you wanted to be your client. And so this is just focusing on one person. And realistically, you're going to want to do this with numerous people the same exact way. 
The only problem, of course, is it's going to be time. Time is money. But I'll give you an example of, you know, I had a potential uh, person that I wanted to, uh, I wanted them to hire me. So I might go to like LinkedIn uh, and uh, send them a, a request in there. Hey, just connecting with fellow businesses in the area. You know, now they've seen me, right? Then I might go to like to their Facebook page. I might like a post that they have. I might share a post that they have somewhere. Hmm. So now all of a sudden they see me again. So remember I said before, you know, six to eight looks for someone to buy from you, right? Yeah. So now you they've seen you on LinkedIn. They've seen you share them on social media. And they might not be connecting things together yet. But over time, as you're doing these things, you send out an email. Um, there, you're actually creating those six to eight looks so that when, by the time you get to the six to eight uh, period, you can actually pick up a phone call and call them. And it's not really a cold call anymore because they've seen you numerous times. And even mm. when you call sometimes, they'll be like, I don't know where I've heard of this guy before, but I know it sounds familiar. And they're okay. thinking this in the back of their head. And they sooner or later, they'll realize, oh, yeah, that guy hit me up on LinkedIn. He liked one of my posts. And they'll start connecting the dots. But by then, it's too late. They've, they've already decided, you know, hey, they might start working with you. Hmm. Okay. So, so, so follow up because uh, th this frequently comes up with me, not so much anymore with my with my children. But I used to say, you know, when you're sending out resumes for a job, or you're filling out an application, or you're going in and in person, I said follow up is is key, because if if unless you just happen to have that magic moment where everything just clicks right there and they say, hey, when can you start? Follow up. You got to follow up. Same thing on social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, or any of the other social media stuff out there. So if you've got connections, reach out to them periodically and just say, hey, how are you doing? I just thought I'd you know, check in, right? I mean, that kind of thing. If you're looking for a job, what I would probably do is I would suggest that you uh, find that company on LinkedIn, especially look who works there and go and send a friend request to the president, the vice president. You know, some of the, the higher up people that are out there. And then when that recruiter goes to look at your profile on LinkedIn, because they will, especially if it's a professional organization, they're going to see that you're already connected with those people. And then you're like, whoa, this guy already knows these people. Huh. You know, so maybe, you know, I should have a conversation with him a little bit more because, you know, he already knows them. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dave, um, I'm looking at, at the time clock. And I, I could do this all day long, <laughs> but I know you're a busy man and, uh, and you got, you got attended things. And uh, so I, a, I super appreciate you doing this with me. Uh, but before we uh, wrap it up, are there any, are there any, anything or any things that uh, you would like to leave as parting words or wisdom or, or things to keep in mind for people? Um, yeah, I wasn't anticipating we'd talk about marketing uh, as often or as much as this, but um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is, hey, we're, we're down here in Florida. I'm here at Fort Myers. Uh, the people are doing well. There's, you know, a lot of help for people that's down here. So, you know, thanks for everybody who, you know, uh, sent prayers to the people down here who who've, uh, donated and done things for them. Um, we're doing well and, and uh, we'll keep on building here on the business side. You know, I'd say. Uh, the number one thing I would probably tell you is just do a listings check for your business. Go to listingpros.biz mm -hmm. and you can um, 
you can get a listing check for free. Um, and then up, that's what I call your basic foundation of your dig, uh, digital presence. Just hmm. fix that up and that'll help you out tremendously in the future. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and I, and I, sorry, I, I negated that because you and I were talking earlier <laughs> about, about uh, the conditions there on the ground where you're at. And I remember asking you about your background picture and you said, yeah, no, it's not there anymore. Uh, you guys got hit pretty hard, right? Yeah. yeah that, that Fort Myers beach there's behind yeah. me. That's all gone. It's all gone. So unfortunately, wow. um, you know, uh, I look forward to see what happens after they rebuild um, the beach will still be there. That's good. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what they rebuild with. Okay. But so far, I mean, uh, the state, the governor, and everybody who talked about the community, everybody's kind of come together and they've gone through this before. And um, I mean, things are getting back on track real quick, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's happening, you know, extremely fast. I mean, I, I can't believe just how quickly they're, uh, Putting everything back together, getting everything running. I mean, yeah, again, you know, people here, if they need water, they got water. If they need food, even free food, they can get free food here. Um, it's just, it's pretty amazing uh, the way uh, they've been able to get help here so quickly and get things done. Okay. So uh, I want to thank you again, and I'd love to do this again. And, and if we do, uh, we'll talk about the other things that are actually important that you and I were talking about before. Uh, you know, we can talk a lot more about that stuff because there's, there's a lot of things that, that, that need fixing and, and can be fixed. We just need to come together as a group and get it done. Right. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. With that said, Dave Maestas, I thank you very much for your time. I hope everything continues to go well for you and you guys recover successfully down there. And, uh, with that said, it's a wrap. <laughs> All right, brother. Sounds good. Right. Have a good one. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, everyone, for taking time out of your day, your afternoon, or your evening to listen to me talk with my friend and American patriot, Dave Maestas of Discover Maestro. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Thank you to my wife, for whom I owe immeasurable gratitude. Thank you to my family, my friends, and all the people, male and female, who have been and still are a part of my life. Remember, folks, it takes a team. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Stay humble, stay safe, and keep others safe by staying frosty. And until next time, keep it real. Oconus the Contractor's Life extends a special thank you to music composer Kava Cohen and to Colin Perry of Ninja Tracks for allowing Oconus the Contractor's Life the use of Kava's song, Heavy Clutch, from the music soundtrack to the game Forza Motorsport 7. And also a big thank you to Andres Rodriguez, who can be found at the Fiverr website for his excellent original music scores.